welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, the podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Wildflower. Wildflower takes place in a small southern town in the 1940s. A young teenager named Ellie, played by Reese Witherspoon, is out riding her horse when she hears screams. Her investigation of the neighboring farm leads her to find a young woman named Alice, played by Patricia Arquette, who is hard of hearing and epileptic. She has been hidden away from society and forced to live in a shed. Ellie enlists the help of her brother to do what she can to help Alice. Screenplay by Sarah Flanagan, directed by Diane Keaton, and premiered on Lifetime on December 3rd, 1991. Have you seen this movie before? Yes, I have. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh, that's a shocker. I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know it until, like, maybe 20 minutes in. I was like, oh, I've seen this. (laughs) So when we do these, when we pick our movies, all I do is a quick look on IMDb. And I don't want to read the, you know, because I don't want to be spoiled. Yeah. So all I see, all I saw was the box cover, and I saw Patricia Arquette and Reese Witherspoon on it, and I was like, I feel like I've seen this. And then when we were watching it, I was like, oh, I saw this. (laughs) (laughs) I have not. (laughs) It's really interesting that this movie over others has had a life beyond its cable tv premiere yeah it did have a vhs release it did have a dvd yeah i saw this in high school at a friend's house like she had the vhs but i think it was because of the book i think she read the book your friend read the book and bought the vhs i think yeah So yeah, it is based off of a book, also by Sarah Flanagan, who wrote the screenplay. The book is just called Alice. I don't know when that was released, but I don't Um, know if you looked that up. See, I thought the, I thought the, the move this movie was called Alice. Oh, and that's where your confusion came in. Yeah, that's why I never heard of Wildflower before, and. I don't know if it was released as Alice. I don't ever think so. We don't, don't have know. the TV guide for this week, so right. we weren't able to check. Or maybe if it was like on. But... I don't know if they released it as Alice, like on a VHS later on. The book was written in 1988. Okay. Yeah. The only note I have about Sarah Flanagan's writing is that she started writing in her mid 50s. So it took a while for her to actually start publishing stuff, but she did do some other stuff as well, um, something like Sudi and Simpson, uh, Other Voices, Other Rooms, Dare to Love, and Sophie and the Moonhanger were all adapted into to movies, or those are all other movies that she worked on. Um, but this was her first major 
thing, as far as I can tell. It's an interesting story. Yeah. Uh, I think more so than other TV movies that we're going to see or have seen in the past even, uh, that this felt cohesive. It felt like it really could have been released theatrically. Yeah, and I I wonder if it was because of Diane Keaton doing it. You mean that... The directing it? That it that it works so well? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she just did a good job. It could be. Um, like, this this movie also reminded me of... That's why I was getting a little confused when I was watching it. Because I, I was getting this movie confused with the other 1991 movie we're going to see with Reese Witherspoon at some point. Was, you know, the, the Man in the Moon. Because I feel like that story is a little bit similar. Okay. Because I know... I mean, I remember seeing that movie when I was young. But I do remember a young, you know, Reese Witherspoon. She's kind of... She hit, she plays, like, the same type of character. Like a tomboyish... Tomboy from, like, 50 years ago. Yeah. She happens about, upon like someone who's been outcasted and she becomes the friend of this outcasted person okay yeah i have not seen that movie either as and plus it's like you know in some small town in the south so i was confused between the two (laughs) yeah as we were going along with this i was like i definitely remember this movie now so I mean I don't know if you liked it back then or if or if those feelings have changed since but I think it was just the same like it kept me interested because I was like oh my god what's gonna happen next and it also kind of gave me anxiety I don't know <laughs> mainly because of how yeah. they treated this girl and then I was wondering. Was this based off of a real story? But it, it doesn't seem like it was. No, probably not. I mean, there may have been similar stories that happened, but, you know. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of the anxiety. It, mostly when Alice is just sort of out and about with Ellie and Sammy, the brother, yeah. played by William McNamara. I, I, I don't know. It, when you know that the parents are keeping her locked away in the shed and now she's like just wandering the town doing whatever there's always that thought in the back of my mind thinking okay the parents are going to run into her somehow or you know something is going to happen she's going to go back to the shed when they're trying to put her away and they're going to get caught you know that's the type of anxiety that i was feeling while watching it because you know how abusive the father is very early on yeah and so you know, that's the anxiety. It's like, why are you doing these things? Or like when they're trying to bathe her or put a dress on her, it's like the parents are going to know that she was out of her shed at this point. Yeah, that's... So like, why are you doing this? And she's starting to like learn to talk and oh, do more things independently, I guess. And I mean, even her mom said, oh, no wonder she's been like more vocal or whatever there was like one part where she was like oh no wonder she so it's like they have to have let her out they don't i feel like 
see, I never read the book, but I, I just read that the book is a little bit more, um, like, graphic. Okay. And they sort of apply that she's been, like, like sexually abused. Like, sure. They kind of apply that the, the stepfather is just doing this. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, maybe they... Because, you know, they live on a farm, it looks like. Like, they have cows and chickens, and that's how they get their money, is by going to some farmer's market or whatever to sell the eggs and milk or whatever the hell mm-hmm. they get from this farm. And I feel like maybe they let her out during that time to maybe help with farming. Or do they just keep her in that shed all day long? I mean, I don't... And then, I, I'm assuming like, that she does probably have to work to some degree, but I mean, when they leave for town, they always put her back yeah, in the pen. Yeah, because they don't want her to be out in this town and that they, they live in. Yeah, yeah, and they don't want anybody to kept, see her. Yeah, they don't she's want kept anyone to secretly, know that she too, because when the doctor comes to see her, he's like, He's like, I've delivered all the babies in this little town, and I've never heard of a deaf child or yeah, someone with her issues. So it makes it seem like... but <laughs> that, I mean, that's <laughs> weird, too, isn't it? Because they didn't know that she was going to be born deaf and epileptic. Yeah, so... so... But there must have been some other secret it, that doesn't Because also the later then. in the movie, the mom was like... You know, her father died when she was young, uh, Alice's father. Yeah. And they came from another town, it sounds like. Because oh, that's okay. what it sounded like. And they're, so they're not from there. And it seems like the mother married this, her husband. I don't, they don't even Ormond. say the, oh, Ormond. Ormond. Like, the mother married Ormond because that was, like, the only man that was able to take in her and her child. Okay. And I guess he... So he's from that town, and they just came from another town later on. They don't say, like, how old Alice was at that point. Yeah, okay. So that makes more sense then. I, I think I missed the part that she was born out of town. They don't really say it, but... The mom says, you know, Ormond was the only man to take in me and my child. Like, yeah, and no... he was nice at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, basically nobody in the town knows about this girl, Alice. And she's, I'm, I don't know if she's supposed to be a late teenager or like college age. I know that Patricia Arquette was in her early 20s when she played this role. And the brother sammy is about to go to college or he wants to go to college that's one of the the b plots of this movie is that he wants to escape and get an education because no one else has in his family like his dad jack doesn't even read uh and so he wants to make something of himself but yet the dad won't let him go to school doesn't want him to go to college no son of his is going to take a handout you know even if he gets a scholarship he's basically saying no you can't go even with the scholarship yeah you got to be a hard worker and at that time being a hard worker is like physically doing like manual labor yeah and i think it's also that their mother is dead yeah he has to be the man of the house yeah and jack is also not pulling his weight jack the father is not pulling his weight because he's still 
Like a drunk. Perpetually and, mourning yeah. and drunk. Yeah. Uh, and so he can't really do anything himself around the house, and so he's really reliant on Sammy to do it, but Sammy wants to go out and make something of himself. But all that to say that Sammy is basically a senior in high school, so he's, you know, 18-ish years old when this story is taking place, and, and they, you know, make it seem like they're supposed to be about the same age, him and Alice. Yeah. But no one has seen her up until Allie happens to come upon her. Well, they always talk about the Guthrie's property being like haunted or something because yes. they hear shrieks and screams and it's probably her. Yeah, it's probably Alice, but they, they you know, the local they think legend it's a is ghost it's ghosts. or something. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, Ellie was like, I'm going to go check it out. Well, she also, yeah, sees something happening to somebody when she's riding. You know, she yeah. hears the screams and then she sees someone, yeah. being, like, dragged into the shed, I think. Yeah, that's on. when you see Alice's stepfather see her, yeah, putting like, her back in. Putting basically. her into the shed. And so she hides in the hay and waits for him to go and then meets Alice. The initial in- interactions with Alice were weird. I mean, I didn't know that she was going to be deaf or what um i just assumed early on that she was just completely feral that she knew nothing about the world because it sound it seemed like she did not even recognize that ellie was talking to her you know that she didn't recognize that there was another human being there and it was either that she was deaf or that she just didn't understand language at all you know, mm-hmm. that she was so isolated from the world that she didn't know what words were. Yeah. And couldn't understand any single Yeah, like thing Nell or something. Possibly. And so I, I had no idea what, what the situation was. And I think that kind of hurt the movie a little bit because the progression is... It's steady, but it, it's weird that it exists at all. Like, why were those opening scenes such that... It didn't seem like she was even acknowledging the fact that there was another person in the room. You know, Ellie was like, you know, waving her hands or like tapping, you know, like she was like trying to talk to her. And it's not like she was behind Alice the whole time saying words and that's why she couldn't hear. Yeah. She was in front saying, hey, she's probably, I mean, she's only seen, are you okay? I like, think what's at your name? this point, she's only seen her mom and her stepdad. She's never seen like another human being around her maybe and she's like what who is this and i don't know but she doesn't even you know lift her head up to say oh hi i see you type of a thing or oh you shouldn't be here you know there there was nothing it's just like she was just like head down doing whatever she was doing playing with lalo maybe i don't remember the possum yeah um but then like you know a couple days later when they you know she's starting to talk and she like has more words every single time that she sees her i don't know it just seemed a little weird that the first interactions were so silent Mm -hmm. compared to other scenes patricia arquette's performance (laughs) i mean this This is is a time where (laughs) yeah i don't this is like leo dicaprio playing Gilbert Grape. Like, thing. yeah, I forgot his name in Gilbert Grape. Yeah. It's like that type of performance. But, I mean, I know he was nominated for that. I mean, this is a TV movie. This and, is a TV movie. So, 
it's like the early 90s and they had it's over the top yeah so i think it's it's a really difficult thing because the character is not supposed to know a whole lot and she's supposed to be partially deaf and she has these seizures so part of it is you know the fact that the dialogue has to be written in such a way that she just doesn't know what certain things are and then when you're partially deaf and you're trying to put on that accent i guess for lack of a better word of someone who's hard of hearing yeah this is like the problematic it makes for an unintentionally humorous situation far too many i don't i just feel like this is stuff that they show to middle schoolers like this is a type of movie or even the book that you give to like middle schoolers or early high school to be like this is a tale of like acceptance of all people yeah i i can see that so you don't make fun of them because this is exactly like what this is i feel like what this movie is trying to portray like She's, I mean, she's never been, no one taught her how to read or write because her parents just, like, threw her in this barn or whatever. Yeah, or how to do anything social. Yeah, so it's not her fault that she's like this. Exactly. And there's only really one scene where the local kids, like, make fun of her after... After she's allowed to basically be out of the shed and live with Ellie's family. Yeah, but they even yeah yeah. And there's because, just you know the one because of the way that the way she talks, talking, and they're like, and then even she's like learning. She has to start from the beginning. She's learning learning at this like kindergarten level about like the ABCs basically, and then how to write and read. I mean, and that's what they teach her in the beginning to memorize sort of Mm -hmm. but then they want to like i kind of didn't i didn't get this part it's like they were teaching her how to memorize like a poem yeah and then they're like gonna impress their grandmother ellie and sammy to be like hey we found this girl and she recognized and memorized this poem can you teach her now or tutor her now because yeah. she like she knows how to do this so can you also show her how to read and write yeah it, that that whole seg- sequence was very strange they spend a lot of time teaching her this poem yeah and the reason why like i don't know i mean i guess like that was the only reason that was the only way to have the grandmother tutor her yeah but i was like but why like, does she have to why not just have them talk to each other? You know, why not just introduce them and say, hey, you know, this kid has been sheltered her entire yeah, life. Yeah, and she obviously <laughs> doesn't know how to read or write. It's like she's she not dumb. Some, like, yeah. she's clearly not dumb. She needs she someone to teach her, like, you know, like, yeah. English skills. I don't, I don't want to say that, but... But, yes, English skills. Like, she does not know grammar. yeah. You know, she says stuff like "what book," like "what, what yeah, love." But she she knows she knows so how she to knows words, but she, she knows she words. Know sentence structure, and yeah. Like, you know, verbs and adverbs and all that kind of stuff. She probably was taught how to sort of speak from her mom and stepdad because they would would speak to her. So I mean, so whatever she learned. 
from speaking is through her parents, but that's about it. Yeah, definitely did not pick up a whole lot, and mostly because she was nearly deaf. Yeah, and she didn't know what books were either until, you know, Sammy comes by and she's like, what is this? And that's when he started to read to her. And... And and it could very well be that she didn't know things about books and whatnot because maybe her parents also don't read. It's highly possible. I mean, Sammy and Ellie, their own father doesn't know how to read either. Yeah, exactly. So So they are like the generation of, they're like the first generation of like going to school and getting an education. Yeah. Like that was very important, it seemed like, for Jack Purton's, for his kids to go to school because it but his his mom i don't know if the their grandma was his mom or their mom mom's mom i think it's the mom's mom because okay. she has a different last name oh okay and i don't think i wrote it morgan bessie morgan yeah, yeah bessie morgan okay so she so that probably was the mom they mom. all live together and they seem like they're like a well-to-do family because they live in this big house it's easier to have a bigger house back then too, especially you know if you're in a smaller town and you know you have farm yeah, and whatnot. You can build your own house in some cases back in the day. So who knows? But um, but she they're, was they're doing a little bit like better, but not good enough to send Sammy to college without the scholarship. Yeah, I mean, so they're not that well to do. But you know they're getting. I guess by. for that town, they're. And probably better than okay. the Guthrie's, which would be, right. you know, um, Alice's family. So, yeah, it, it's a very difficult performance. And I don't, I don't know, I think that Patricia Arquette did okay with it. But I think she just went too over the top and kind of accentuated the lack of knowledge. I don't want to say the stupidity, because Alice isn't stupid. She just lacks knowledge in this and so she like really plays yeah, that up a bit too she much she plays to me. like and even sammy was saying like she's like a baby yeah which she, made the romantic part of that movie yeah. a little bit worse because well, <laughs> he said that you know she you're teach it's like as if you're teaching a baby she knows how to walk and st- talk it's not like she's i don't know but yes she does act like a toddler she acts like a ta- yeah because no one taught her anything and you know it's like Ellie and Sammy are the only people that she knows and they're really nice to her and they really want to help her and they do what they can and they're like well our grandmother's like a tutor we can you know tutor her and then to the point where they're like uh she can live with us yeah it kind of progresses from that so the granny says that she will tutor Alice if she gets written permission from, from the parents. The parents. And, and Orman doesn't even know that her daughter, or that his daughter or daughter-in-law has been... Stepdaughter. Out. Stepdaughter. Yeah, has been has out. Been but the out mom... The shed, but the mom knows. The mom is like, I'm glad she, she has friends. Yeah. Like, the mom's fine with it. To a degree, but she also is worried because if... if if Alice gets caught out and about, then it's also going to come back to, to her, her husband. It, yeah, it's, it's going to also not only hurt Alice, but also hurt her physically because Ormond is so commandeering. 
Yeah. So. And everyone knows, I guess he's just like the town asshole because everyone, everyone knows how he is. Even like their father, Bo Bridges, Jack Perkins was like, don't even go over there. Don't bother with that guy. It's like, he's Mm -hmm. just, Ormond is known as like the town asshole, I guess. No one likes him. So that's why they don't, no one interacts with that family. Yeah. And that also helps keep Alice hidden if nobody goes over there to visit and it's not friendly or whatever. But yeah, so they they start with the, the, you know, needing written permission from the parents and then that happens after, you know, various different circumstances. And then the next step is, well, you should be living with us, you know, get away from the shed, you know, you should live in an actual room. Um, it turns out that Sammy will be going to college. He does get the scholarship, and the dad has a change of heart, and so everything is going to happen there. Uh, so you can live in Sammy's room now. And so they teach her how to, you know, beg. Um, the mom, yeah, the LA beg teaches the mom to get permission Alice to live to in beg. their house. And the only reason that really happens is there's another scene of violence that's off camera uh, where Ormond is physically abusing both the girls i don't remember exactly what the reason was if they said even and alice runs over to the perkins's house saying that her dad is dead Mm. but he's not actually dead he just had some sort of accident while abusing them and temporarily paralyzed himself like in his legs yeah he can't walk all so he like fell and hit his head or hit some part of his body or something again it's all off screen um and so he is basically temporarily paralyzed he's stuck and confined into a room and so that's when the mom gets enough courage to basically say yes you go you can go now yeah i mean she yeah she has the change of heart saying i want she starts to see that you know their living situation with Alice is not great and this family this other family the Perkinses they're being nice enough to take her in to you know educate her and you know show her how to be she Alice says I want to be a quote real girl and then that's her mom was just like if you want her you can take her now yeah and it's it's a difficult position for the mother, and I think that she plays it well. Yeah. Uh, Susan Blakely is Ada Guthrie. I think she plays it really well. Because it's it's a complicated thing, and it's, I don't think she never understood that her situation was bad. It's just that what other options does she have in this small town? You know, with an abuse... Like, a lot of people yeah. were in abusive I mean, no, situations. Like, how she can was, I get out yeah. of this? There's no way. She's so. like, he. that's what she said. Like, Orman was the only man to take a single woman and her child. Like, what man is going to take a woman who already has a child already? And there's also a lot of fear of giving like her over 40s. to the, the Perkins. Yeah. In that, okay, now I'm also losing my daughter to another family? Yeah, because you know, like, her daughter is like her only... That's all she has left. Fa- family, yeah. And yeah. she's like, you're going to take my... But, I mean, she does see how this other family is caring for her the way that she should have been cared for since her birth. And so I think, you know, a lot of these characters have this type of progression. They have an arc. 
and I think that they're all done pretty well. You have Jack who has this change of heart, who is basically like this blowhard at the beginning. He's like, no son of mine is going to take handouts, you can't do anything, blah, blah, blah. And then he becomes more and more open and loving and, and you know, comes back to life in a sense as time goes on. Mm-hmm. You have Ada Guthrie who has, you know, this change of heart and has this progression of like, uh, these kids better not mess with my daughter. It's like, okay, well, at least they have friends, and but you're not going to take her away. But yeah, this is what's best for her, so okay, I understand. Um, and then obviously Alice goes through a huge progression as well, especially when she gets her hearing aid, which we haven't talked about, but basically there's this whole thing about um, yeah, there's a, the this mother's locket also to pay for her hearing aid. Me. Go for it. Okay, so, well, they find out that Alice is deaf because she has, like, an episode in, like, a cornfield or something. Epileptic episode. Epileptic episode. And Sammy finds her that way, and they're both confused, so they call that doctor, Dr. Murphy, over, and he's like, oh, she has epilepsy, but she's also deaf. And they didn't know that she... I think they sort of knew no, she they, was... De- yeah, they knew so, that she was hard okay, of hearing. She, because Ellie was like, does that have, you know, is there epilepsy connected to her hard of hearing? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. And the doctor's like, no, they're completely unrelated. Oh. Uh, okay, yeah. Because, in yeah, in the beginning when they're talking to her, they, they kind of, like, shout at her. Because yeah, they're like, she can't... talk loud because she can't hear too good. Because she can't hear, yeah. So she can sort of read mouths, but then you have to shout at her while, whatever, she's yeah. reading mouths. And he was like... You know, I can help her with getting a hearing aid, but they're very expensive. And that's when, I mean, from the beginning of this movie, you know, you see Ellie, she's very much a tom girl or a tom boy. And, you know, her father and, like, her grandmother are like, when are you going to wear a dress type of thing? Like, Mm -hmm. your dress would look good with this locket that your mother had. And then it was to the, she was... In her mind, she's like, I'm gonna beg my father for this locket because I guess she was gonna get this locket when she was older at some point. Yeah, it's like a family heirloom. Heirloom, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, no, I kind of want it now. And he's like, why? And she's like, you know, I just want my mother near me. And she eventually gets the locket, gives it to the doctor, and she's like, this can pay for the hearing aids. And he's like, well, (laughs) like... I don't have a, I don't know anyone to get the money for this, but she's like, oh, please, whatever. She's always just like kind of begging and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, well, I guess I'll find someone to get the money. So she gives him the locket and they get the hearing aid. But then later on the movie, she has a locket. The doctor gives it back to her because he says, um, I saw the abuse that that child went through. And then you so he this... pays it. Yes. Okay. He paid for it himself by charging other people more. He said, well, I just charge Mr. and Mrs. whatever more because they can afford so it. So he was a nicer... Okay, he's a nicer guy. Yeah. Like, he knew that the locket was... A family know, heirloom. Yeah, it was clear. Okay, because I was like, and wait so a just, second, yeah. she has the locket again. Okay. Yeah, he kept it and gave it back to her. Okay. So, yeah, she gets this hearing aid, and, you know, Alice is like, oh, my God, I can hear now, and they, that's what she, and then, you know, all these, she's, everything, everything changes, she's like, hands make noise, my, when they're laughing, she's like, your mouths are making noises, smiles make, noise, smiles yeah. make, yeah. So, yeah, it's, 
and then you know listening to music she's like what is it you know everything yeah i thought that was gonna be near the end of the movie honestly like when when she gets to the hearing with them and you know has the hearing aid. yeah but there's a whole other story man there's like this whole other segment and it starts to trail off for me there um slightly before that though there's you know they also wedge in this love story between sammy and alice which i didn't really like all that much i mean i understand it to a degree you know they have this i understand her part because this well this is the only boy she knows yeah and he's an attractive guy, right? Yeah. So, so I would see how she would start to get a crush on him, especially because he's like being super nice and like whatever. Right. And yeah, she, she doesn't know any other people besides Ellie and her and Sammy and her family now. I mean, it didn't it's like once she starts to read and write more, it like she's out in society it's like oh that's where i was also a little like confused it's like oh we can bring her out to society now because she knows how to read and write because ellie introduces her to like her friends from school but it's like is she going to the same school now or is she still being just taught by the grandma yeah i'm not really sure i mean yeah once once she starts to live with the perkins then it's okay to that's why I was like, oh, now she did. But then people, people are like, oh, you're so nice to do this for her. I would never do it type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what um, Sammy's other love interest says. Uh, what's her name? Bertha. Bertha. Where, you know, bid 50 cents for the church record for the, uh, the box lunch bidding. He's like a... Yeah, you know, that's, a that's date when I, auction type I, of a that's thing. That's when I realized I saw this movie because my friend and I used to make fun of that part for some reason. <laughs> it's like Fifty cents. I, yeah, we would record. bid. We would bid like thirty-five cents and something. I don't know. <laughs> so that was a interesting scene, I guess. But yeah, Bertha is, you know, the other major love interest to Sammy, but he's not as interested in her over time as he is in. Alice. Alice, yeah. Um, and there's the scene where Alice is bathing and has no concept of shame because she just doesn't know any of this stuff. And so she's bathing naked and he comes across her and he's, you know. Yeah, he sees her and he's like, oh, you he's shouldn't. Like, he's all flustered. Like, like you know, get, let me give you my shirt because you're not supposed to, I'm not supposed to see you like this or whatever. And has all this kind of thing. And then it leads to them like making out and just kind of seemed and then he wrong leaves. to me. Yeah. It's. Well, I don't know. It, it felt like regarding Henry, you know? Yeah. It's like, like again, she's an adult. She's not, but she's mentally, not mentally handicapped, but yeah. she's just like mentally unaware of things. Yeah, she doesn't, because yeah, she doesn't even know what love is. Like, he had to explain, like, yeah. love is a feeling. But then when he's reading to her, she's like, I'm feeling that feeling. I think I'm in love. Right. And that's when he's like, uh, she's like, like, but he sort of feels that feeling too, because in the beginning he's like, she's very pretty. She has the most beautiful eyes. That's all he says. Like she has the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen on all the girls in this town or whatever. So he's like physically attracted to her, but he's like, I can't do this to her because that's what he said. She's like a baby. 
Yeah, yeah. It, he feels guilty about it, and like that's when, she, when he was like, "I'm gonna go to college." <laughs> and and when she's learning to read and write, she writes him a letter at college. He does not respond to it at all, and you know it becomes like this whole thing. It's like, well, why don't you? Why don't you write me back? You know, why are you ignoring I, me? I think he's just like and he's, also yeah, he's feeling guilty. very guilty. Yeah, he's just guilty about the whole situation. Um, but you know. Everything comes together at the end, basically. It's, it's um, you know, you have the, the Founder's Day dance, and Ellie uses manipulation tactics to get Sammy to come away from college back to the dance. Um, yeah, there's a whole, I don't, like, I guess. It's like a montage. Yeah, a montage of just Ellie and Sammy writing to each other, because I guess, you know, Ellie sees that Sammy and Alice love each other. Like, she sees that love right and yeah she there's a whole 15 minute thing of ellie and sammy writing back to each other and then ellie just saying all these things about alice like alice is wearing like a low-cut blouse and her bosoms are showing something like that i was like oh okay yeah it's just to entice (laughs) to like entice him to come (laughs) yeah talking about the the person who's taking him to the dance i think yeah and then she's going to a dance with another boy yeah it's like oh you're really trying to make him jealous yeah and you know but yeah he he makes it there at some point and before that there's this whole scene with ormond at the dance that scene was like also like i guess i mean i'm i know this is from a book and i'm like that was probably a longer scene in the book because it happened in like five minutes this whole interaction yeah like i didn't even know what even happened it was like the mom so the mom is kind of just like watching and seeing her daughter develop into like this woman now from afar Mm -hmm. and you see her mom like in in the hidden in the trees just being like oh my daughter is like beautiful and look at her come so far type of thing and but then like all of a sudden ormond is like like did he follow her or something probably the mom yeah ormond who we thought was still bedridden like all of a sudden can walk is able to move around enough to follow and get to dance too and there's like a point where alice is just like by herself like on a i don't know like pier or something it's like something at the edge some some sort of like dock in like this water mill yeah this dance is being held it's it's an interesting setting visually but very confusing to know what's actually what she's (laughs) just like looking over the water and her mom is just like oh look at my daughter but you know and all of a sudden ormond comes behind alice and like takes her yeah, it becomes like a thriller movie for a couple minutes. For two minutes, though. And then the whole town, like, you hear Alice screaming, like, no, leave me alone, blah, blah, blah. And then that's when the dance stops, and the entire town is like, huh? Like, they see them all Because he takes her into, like, other. some basement area of this water mill, and everybody's, like, looking at, you know, they just, you know, they gather up on the stairs and just kind of, like, but they're all just, like hover around... Like in horror of what's happening, and but Jack no one's is, really helping. Well, Jack eventually just speaks up, is like, "Hey, you leave her alone. She belongs yeah. to us now." And I'm honestly surprised, I guess, to a degree, that Ormond just stops, just stops and walks away. 
And that's I thought there was gonna be more of an like he was gonna hurt. I saw I thought someone was gonna get hurt. Like he's yeah. gonna pull out a gun and shoot someone or right. kill someone. Because we've already seen Orman with the gun. Yeah. So I was like, someone's gonna get hurt. But then he's the whole town's like, hey, leave her alone. He's like, oh, all right, I'll walk away. And then that was it. That was it. <laughs> but I, then... I'm assuming something else happened in the book. Possibly. Yeah, and then and they Sammy just couldn't comes show in, it. and then they dance and kiss and credits. Yeah. So it's a very quick resolution, but I don't know. It's the, the other thing I'll say about this movie that kind of confused me is before the whole moving in with the Perkins thing, Alice is just all of a sudden out and about wandering around like all the time. Well, she's they... never been seen by society, but that like she's just out and about and you know they have to there's that scene on the bridge where Sam, yeah. he has to like create a diversion. He's like, hey, let's see who can spit the furthest. Well, cause they don't and he's want... like, okay, let's, well, I gotta they're, go now. They're trying to protect her because they don't want to see her like this feral. Yeah, girl. but like, how is she getting out so frequently? Because it's, like, they taught her day. how to... Did they teach her how? I Remember? Missed no, I missed it. There was a point where Sammy... Is like you use use this stick to raise up the uh, barrier, and this is how you get out. Okay, I completely missed that. Oh, All so right. well, he's like go. you missed the locket. I missed the stick. Okay, I missed. <laughs> well, <laughs> so <laughs> this is earlier in the movie. He's yeah. like, so if you ever want to come out, you use this stick, and it lifts open, you know, the barrier, yeah. on the, and it's, like, an easy thing. It's not like she's locked in with a key. They yeah, just put yeah. this little, they just like, put a board on it. Board on it. And he's like, this lifts up the board, and you push, and then they show her how, and he's like, okay, you do it, and she doesn't. He's like, oh, and she's all excited about it. I wonder how I missed all of that. So that's how she's been able to, like, come out, and they're like, oh, but you gotta keep this quiet and a secret, and she's yeah. like, okay, secret, secret. It's like, she knew it was, you know, a secret. And she was, uh, not very, yeah, she was just wandering all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about cast and crew, and then we'll get into the awards, because there are a couple of awards for this one. Um, Diane Keaton, like we mentioned, as a director, she has done a couple other things, um, she's directed Blinda Carlisle's music videos, I Get Weak and Heaven is a Place on Earth. She's done episodes of Twin Peaks and China Beach, which I had no idea that she did an episode of Twin Peaks, but she did. She also directed an episode of CBS School Break Special, the movies Unstrung Heroes, and also Hanging Up. As an actor, of course, we know that she's an Oscar winner for Annie Hall, nominated for Reds, Marvin's Room, and Something's Gotta Give as well. Emmy nominated for the Amelia Earhart movie, The Final Flight. Razzie nominated for Because I Said So. And she's been in a whole bunch of other movies, and we'll see her again in the 1991 movie Father of the Bride. All right, talk about Sarah Flanagan, the writer here. Moving on to Bo Bridges, Jack Perkins. Emmy winner for Without Warning, the James Brady story, which is from 1991, so that's on our list. Also won the Golden Globe and the Cable Ace Award for that role. Uh, also an Emmy winner for Positively True Adventures of the Alleged Texas Cheerleader Murdering Mom. It's like a TV movie from like 1993 that I don't think I've ever heard of. Uh, also won the Golden Globe for that as well. And also won the Emmy for Second Civil War. And nominated many, many other times as a guest performance or in miniseries and TV movies. Uh, he's known as part of the wizard to me. 
he plays kind mm. of a similar character in a way you know okay. this this father figure who doesn't want their child to do this thing and then has a change of heart and mm-hmm. learns to love and whatnot uh he's also known for the fabulous baker boys the agency stargate sg1 along many many other things he also has a grammy win for the spoken best spoken word album inconvenient truth he shares that with a few other people who were part of that album uh susan blakely who played ada guthrie is a golden globe winner and an emmy nominated actress for rich man poor man which is a tv miniseries back in the day also nominated for will there really be a morning and emmy nominated for rich man poor man book two where she had a, a per, small uh, returning performance in that. We'll see her a couple more times in the 1991 movies Blackmail and The Sea Will Tell, and she's also in Towering Inferno. That's one of her other major roles. William McNamara as Sammy Perkins is probably best known for things like Radio Inside or Chasers. He's also been in Dream a Little Dream, uh, and he got his start doing a Dario Argento movie opera. He's also in the movie Copycat. He was nominated for a Cable Ace Award for this movie for, you know, best actor in a mini uh, TV movie, but he lost to John Voight. Reese Witherspoon is Ellie Perkins. We'll see her once more in The Man in the Moon, uh, which I think was her debut. This one actually, because it came out in December, I think would be considered her second credit ever. Oscar and Golden Globe winner for Walk the Line. Oscar nominated for Wild. Emmy winner for Big Little Lies as a producer. Nominated for the acting performance there. And also nominated for Little Fires Everywhere as a producer. Golden Globe nominations for Election, Legally Blonde, The Morning Show, and Big Little Lies. And MTV Movie Award winner for Legally Blonde, Best Comedic Performance. And also Best Line, which I did not write down what the line was. And she's also an MTV generation award winner so basically their lifetime achievement award patricia arquette oscar and golden globe and spirit winner for boyhood emmy winner for medium and the act uh nominated for medium uh escape at danamora is also another nomination for mtv nominations for best kiss for true romance okay (laughs) Uh, i think her debut is on uh, nightmare on elm street 3 Dream Children, yeah. uh, and we'll see her a couple more times in the 1991 movies Dillinger and The Indian Runner. Last thing I'll mention really quickly is is a person named Mary Page Keller as the church girl. I don't know who that is, to be honest with you, because there are certain friends, and I looked at her picture, and it did not seem like she matched anybody that I saw in the movie, but Mary Page Keller is supposedly in there. The only reason I mentioned it is that she's also the star of Baby Talk, the, <laughs> the TV sitcom TJF sitcom that we've talked about mm-hmm. a few times. So she plays Mag- Maggie Campbell in Baby Talk, and she was apparently in this movie. So, on to awards. At the Cable Ace Awards, that's really where everything is, is going to be coming into play here. It was uh, <clears throat> the winner of Best Actress in a Movie or Miniseries, Patricia Arquette. She did win the award. I don't know if I would have agreed with that personally, but. I mean, I would give that to. Like Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In general, the acting is very strong. In this. Yeah, I mean they're all yeah, good. I just like playing. This is like, you know, like what I said before. Just playing someone with a disability 
like back then. There's some nuance that is kind of missing for me. Yeah. Uh, we already mentioned William McNamara was nominated as Best Actor, but lost to John Voight. Uh, Best Writing nomination for Sarah Flanagan. Lost to a movie called Citizen Cone, which is actually from 1992. Uh, this this award show was in 1993. It kind of combined like late 1991 and early 1992 stuff. Um, and it also won the Humanitas Prize, which is in the PBS cable category. So, well-respected at the time, I guess, and uh, good enough to get released on home video, unlike a lot of network TV movies yeah. of the era. So on to true crime and pop culture. Yeah, I don't have any crimes this time, but this movie was released December 3rd, 1991, which was a Tuesday. And something that happened on this day, pro wrestling <laughs> wise, which I don't know anything about. No, not much. But I mean, this involves Hulk, Hulk Hogan. So Hulk Hogan defeated The Undertaker at, quote, this Tuesday in Texas at the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas, to become a four-time WWF champion. And One of the early appearances of The Undertaker we learned from Suburban yeah, Commando episode. Yeah, both in Suburban Commando. Yeah. So this two, I looked up what this Tuesday in Texas was. It's just like a, it was a pay-per-view event that was on a Tuesday because apparently this is like one of the first times pay-per-view events were on Tuesdays. I guess Mondays was the pay-per-view night okay. for fights or WWF. Okay. I have no idea. I, I just, I looked it up and I was like, okay. I've never been, <laughs> Me I've neither. never been interested in ever paying for any pay-per-views. Yeah. I don't think I've, the, I think the only thing I paid for was to watch the 1994 Woodstock. Oh, okay. And I, that was like my, I asked my mom for that. I think that was like my eighth grade graduation gift to me. Mm. Was I, like, I really want to watch. <laughs> yeah, just like non-stop festival. And then I had so many blank VHS tapes because I just pressed record and I was like, because it was like twenty, it was like twenty four hours a day or something. So yeah. I just press record and like go to sleep and then wake up and like watch it. Nice. And I think I still have the tapes somewhere. I don't know. That was the only thing I ever paid. Well, I didn't even pay for it. I asked my yeah. mom for it. <laughs> and then, TV wise, um, on Tuesdays. There was, okay, this is like confusing to me. So on ABC, there was Full House. So, but this was a new episode. And I thought, I was like, what are they doing? Because I thought two, Full House was a TGIF thing. Now it's on a Tuesday in December? I Yeah, I don't know. Like December 3rd, so that might have been shortly after Thanksgiving. Is that maybe a thing? I like, they didn't but, want to do a Friday episode after so Thanksgiving. So they did a Tuesday, but it was a new episode. It wasn't like a repeat or anything. Yeah. So a Full House was on. It was Full House, Home Improvement, Roseanne, Coach, and then this show called Homefront. And it starred. 
Kyle Chandler. Do you know who he is? Yeah. From okay. From Friday, Friday Night, Night Lights, Lights mostly. He's done other stuff, but yep. that's what he's known for. So this is a nostalgia-drenched nighttime soap opera about Lieutenant Hank Metcalf, who is Kyle Chandler. He returns from World War II to, um, this is a fictional town in Ohio called River Run, Ohio, eager to marry his girlfriend, Sarah. What Hank doesn't know is that while he was away, Sarah had fallen in love with his brother, Jeff. Hank's mother, Anne, and his sister, Linda, face problems of their own since their wartime factory jobs have been given to the returning soldiers. Hank's buddy, Charlie, meanwhile, returns home with a British war bride, Caroline, breaking the heart of his childhood sweetheart, Ginger. So there's all kinds of drama. Sounds like a lot of nostalgia mixed in with that soap opera. Yeah, and that was two seasons. Huh. I've never even heard of it. No. And sounds, sounds like a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> on CBS, there was a Rescue 911. I feel like that's just on every day on CBS <laughs> at like 8 p.m. Yeah. And on NBC was another episode of In the Heat of the Night. We've spoken about, about that before. After that was this miniseries called Pearl which was a re-release of a 1978 miniseries, and it's about the uh, like the early events of the attack of Pearl Harbor. Okay. It originally aired in November in 1978, but I guess they re-aired it in 1991. Hmm. And it has some 1991 actors that we talked about, like Leslie Ann Warren... Robert Wagner was in it, and Brian Dennehy. Okay. And on here, it says that this was the top ten most watched primetime show of that time. I don't know what is now, but it said the series had over 80 million viewers, I guess, from the first... In 1970s? in the 70s and then in the 90s okay like combined like combined yeah i don't know if they showed it again i don't recall that either me neither i wasn't watching any but i mean at on that night it was a three-part thing so this was part one and part one had 13 million viewers so mm. everyone's watching this not everyone but yeah. just a lot of people and uh, on to music. So as of December 7th, 1991, we're at the end of the year. I'm going to do the bottom five because the top, the top song at that time was, you know, Michael Jackson. Sure. That was like right at the release of Black or White. And uh, when I was, when I saw these bottom five, I was like, I don't know any of the until I listened to at least there's two of the five that I know now okay <laughs> but when I first looked at this I was like I don't know this is, is this the first time I don't know any of these songs but number 100 is a song called Hey Donna by the Rhythm Syndicate that was just like a dance song I guess sure. <laughs> a clubby dance song and that was 
on the charts for four, 14 weeks, and it peaked at number 13. Hmm. Number 99 was a song called Stand By Your Woman by Lenny, or Stand By My Woman by Lenny Kravitz. I've never heard that this song until like an hour ago. Yeah, when you and were playing I, snippets, I, that did not sound And like I actually like this. I was like, oh, this is a good song. <laughs> yeah, I thought the other one was okay, too, the... The Hey Donna. The Hey Donna, yeah. yeah. And this Lenny Kravitz song was eight weeks on eight weeks on the charts, and it peaked at number seventy six. This other nine at number ninety eight is a song called "My Heart Belongs to You" by Russ Irwin, and it was it's like a typical like rock ballad love song. Mm-hmm. And I looked this guy up, and I guess this is his only song that went on the charts and he only had one album and it was in 1991 but he did a lot of he wrote a lot of songs for like Aerosmith and Scorpions mm. and stuff and bands like that okay so this was just like his only yeah he tried self, to go on this yeah self made stuff and he only had this one hit that was 13 weeks on the charts and it peaked at number 28 Number 97, this was their first time on the charts, was uh, a song called In Paradise by Laissez-Faire. I, when I was listening to this, I was like, oh, I know this song. <laughs> this is, um, it's just like another freestyle. It's a, I call this roller skating music because this is the type of music that I, I would have heard when I was roller skating when I was middle school into high school. It's just a typical clubby freestyle song that I like. Number 96 is another roller skating song, (laughs) which I didn't even know what it was until I listened to it, too. Um, This is, this number 96 is Then Came You by TPE. That was only two weeks on the chart. On to rankings and ratings. On your one to five star scale, where are you going to put Wildflower? Uh, I'm going to give this movie a three. So, yeah, basically in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah, on my zero to four star scale, I'm going to say it's probably... uh, I'm going to say it's a three as well. Like, it's... It was surprisingly good. Again, I think it's one of those ones that could have been a theatrical movie and nobody would have better than I it's it's interesting that it was on Lifetime of right. all things which really was this is before Lifetime movies were what they are now you know like now if you say Lifetime movies you think oh it's churn and it's like stupid. yeah you think of like those Christmas movies that all have like similar storylines or all those stupid horror fake suspense movies of, yeah oh, like my snapped. babysitter killed my husband yeah type of or the thing. wrong real estate agent yeah that kind of thing <laughs> This is... I don't think Lifetime movies were a thing at this time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... But, yeah, it's, it's interesting that it was there as opposed to even, like, network TV or theatrically because it could have fit there. Yeah, this could have... I mean, th- like I said before, it reminds me so much of Man in the Moon, and I'm just wondering why it wasn't released, like, around that time. I don't... Maybe because they there's similar stories or I have no idea why they put it on the lifetime channel but 
don't know, whatever. Yeah, what, whatever whatever the reason, it, it made it out to the general public as well. Like I said, it is on VHS and DVD. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to say it's a three stars. It's it's solid. Uh, every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Yeah, I'll watch it. It's a... I don't want to say it's a feel-good movie. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I want to say not. it's kind of like along the lines of like maybe watching like fried green tomatoes. Like it's very hard. Like it's the subject line is very rough, but it's like got this good like happy ending. Yeah, and the and at the end of the day, it's about humanity. Yeah, it's about you know accepting and acceptance things, and love. Yeah. And that's what it's trying to teach you, I guess. Yeah, I think between this and Fred Green Tomatoes, Fred Green Tomatoes easily wins out. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I might watch it again. I don't know. I probably, realistically, in the real world, probably no. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I wouldn't turn it down. Yeah, I guess if it was if like offered. on again, I'll watch it. This is like a movie. I mean, I don't really do that anymore but like if i'm switching channels and this was on i'd be like oh i remember this movie and yeah. i'll just keep it on for the remainder of whatever <laughs> like right. till the end until it ends i guess yeah that's fair uh if you out there want to watch wildflower as of this recording in april 2022 it's available on tubi voodoo imdb tv digital rental vhs dvd as always check your local listings you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind. Or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week for Mother's Day, we're going to be watching the horror comedy Mom. That's going to be available on Tubi, Digital Rental, and VHS. We will see you then.